They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Grant Menzoir. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Thoughts That Rock Lounge, featuring the musings of Jimmy Knight. Speak up, Jimmy. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have to sing louder. I feel so no. unsure. No one can hear you. As I take your hand, I lead you. What's the point of this? No one can hear you, Jimmy. As the music dies, something Speak in up. your eyes louder. calls to mind the silver screen. You're never going to dance. No one can dance because they can't hear you. It's easy to pretend that you're a singer because no one can hear you. You know what? I've had enough. We're going to fade it out. Welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for enduring shy Jimmy Knight, our featured performer at Thoughts That Rock Lounge. Welcome to Thoughts That Rock. You know what it is, the podcast that is about exchanging two pieces of life-changing advice, and we squeeze that in to a nugget, to 30 minutes, a 30-minute nugget, James. That's what we do here at Thoughts That Rock. That's probably the perfect amount of time, and I was just thinking about this, too. You know who helps us with this? Our show producer, our sound engineer, the great, I call him... Tony Mack. Do you? Tony Mack. What do you call him? I call him Tony McGee. McGee. That's, <laughs> That's what, what I is call spelled. Him. McGee. That's it. Our friend Tony McGee, who we met uh, about five months ago and, and helped put us on the path to uh, really tighten it up and work on the outros and the intros and puts it all together and makes it look fantastic. So, Tony, we love you, man. We couldn't do it without you, brother. Neither totally one of us are that talented at all. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. Listen, Thoughts That Rock helps support Cannonball Kids Cancer and their fight for finding treatment options for kids who've run out of options. Mm-hmm. Uh, they do amazing work. Please go and check them out online at cannonballkidscancer.org. They are fantastic. Yep. And listen, we know how busy you are. you got a lot of stuff happening in your life. That's and right. probably just taking a moment to step away and get these great moments of leadership wisdom, these nuggets we like to say. Mm-hmm. They're super hard to come by. We totally get it, which is why it doesn't really matter to us right now. You could be, let's say, welding sheets of metal, or maybe you're assembling an Ikea desk, or maybe you're refilling tear gas canisters for the rally. It doesn't really matter to us. We're all about giving you that 30 minutes that you've been looking forward to all week. Brant, let's do it, buddy. Let's rock. Rock on. We are so excited today to welcome one of the cool kids, absolutely, our guest today, Scott Dickers, the founder of The Onion. If you are not familiar with familiar with The Onion, I don't know which rock you've been living under for the last decade or so, but The Onion, absolutely the world's most popular satirical publication. Scott, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Hey, thanks, guys. It's so great to be here. 
I, I have to tell you, we've we've been huge fans of uh, of your creation for many many years. But as we dug deeper into your bio, the full bio, of course, will be available on show notes for those who want to dig in because he's got an incredible background. Um, but Scott also has created several other successful in, uh, entertainment brands. Oh yeah, like Jim's Journal, How to Write Funny. But my personal favorite, the AV Club. <laughs> uh, AV Club has been where you've been able to get some of the best interesting covers of songs that you've ever heard. And, uh, prior to recording today, uh, Jim and KT, I made them listen to a little punch brothers, yes. uh, doing more than a, uh, what was it? The cars, the cars, uh, doing the cars. Yeah. We listened to Guar doing some pep shop boys. <laughs> that was not acoustic. That was not acoustic. <laughs> As you can imagine. And we did a little wood brothers with some PYT. So we can't thank you enough for blessing us with on the other side of, you got the satirical on one side, you've got these amazing musicianships on another side, uh, to go along with all the comedy is fantastic. He's also a number one New York times bestselling author with his book, Outrageous Marketing. He's a recipient of a Peabody Award and the Thurber Prize for American Humor. Time Magazine has ranked him number 43 on its list of the top 50 cyber elite, alongside a few familiar faces like Steve Jobs and George Lucas. It's nice. Jim, I don't know that we were on that list. We were not. They must not have, uh, they must not have had that. I have no idea how that happened, but... For us, it is an absolute pleasure, Scott, to have you on Thoughts That Rock. It's my pleasure, certainly. And I'm sure they're going to update that list, and you guys are going to be on the next one. Here's the part where I demure, too. So, you know, it, uh, it takes a village. You know, the Onion is the result of the work of many people. Uh, the AV Club, I created it. I named it. I wrote a lot of it in the beginning. But... I had nothing to do with the, the, the band recordings, which are great. Um, and the people who took over the AV club for me have been amazing and they're music experts and they're great writers. And I'm so glad you guys have enjoyed that. We have. You especially, Brent. Well, I'll tell you before, you know, before we dive into your thought, you know, that, that sometimes, uh, for me anyways, great leadership is the recognition that doing it yourself or maybe with the people that got you to a certain point aren't necessarily the people to take it where it needs to go. And it looks like you've done a fantastic job of sort of grabbing these people around you to, to make the most out of those opportunities, which is uh, just honestly a sign of, of mature and fantastic leadership. So we thank you for that as well. So Scott versus the traditional interview style that you hear on a lot of different podcasts, we'd like to get right to the point of sharing that great piece of advice. So the floor is yours. What is your thought that rocks. Thoughts that rock. My thought is empower your people with radical freedom. Hmm. So we already talked a little bit about surrounding yourself with good people and finding those good people is, a, is another thing to talk about. But once you have your people, I've learned that it's really important to give them as much freedom as possible. So when I bring somebody on a team, I tell them what needs to be done. And I try to put as few parameters on that as possible. I just tell them, here's my goal. I want X. And then I leave them alone. They don't have office hours. They don't even have to show up. Uh, All they have to do is deliver. So they have no leash. They're completely free. And this has worked wonders for me. And uh, I want to explain a little bit about how great it's worked, and then maybe I can get into like how I came up with this or how it developed. But it works great because 
it empowers people. Nobody likes a boss, yeah. you know, breathing down their neck and micromanaging managing them. Everybody hates that. So they feel empowered. They feel emboldened. They feel entrepreneurial. They feel like, hmm, I've got this thing I need to achieve. How can I do it? And it opens up their minds to think all sorts of out-of-the-box ways about how to achieve what I want them to achieve. And it is a great way to find great people because great people will take that football and they'll run for a touchdown Yeah, and you can see it immediately. And then it's like, okay, I'm, I'm keeping that one. And bad people, and I'm one of those people, I don't really believe in bad people, just bad management. Sure. Right. So, uh, give the foot, but I'll, for this purposes of this story, I'll call them bad people, hand the football to a bad person. They're just going to stand there, wander around or whatever. And I know immediately, okay, you're on the wrong team. So, uh, either go work somewhere else or let's find a better place for you in the company. And when you do the opposite, when you don't give people freedom, when you try to control everything they do and tell them how to do stuff, you have a whole system. And I'm a big believer in systems in entrepreneurial uh, efforts. But in this instance, I want the systems to evolve naturally based on how people discover is the best way to do things. I don't want to decree a system by fiat and say, you have to do it like this. And I want you here at 9 a.m. sharp, keep a chair warm for eight hours. And um, I want to see your fingers moving on the keyboard. I want to know your work. A lot of bosses will do that. Yeah. Uh, And you could do that, but it would take you a long time to discover if that person was incompetent, if you're controlling them so much. But when you give them complete freedom, you know really quickly whether they're going to be an amazing performer or whether they're a dud. And so it's worked for me wonderfully. I, I use it exclusively. You know, I suppose there are some uh, more low-level jobs where there's a really specific task at hand that needs to be done. But even in those instances, the employees appreciate a certain any kind of freedom you can give them. Uh, people always tell me I'm the best boss they've ever worked for because they sense this compassion for them and this 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 treatment of them where they're like a, a real person. They're like a um, they're an equal. Yeah. They're a fellow human being. They're not just a cog in my machine. Yeah. And I think when a lot of people work at big companies, they feel like that cog and they resent it. Sure. Nobody likes that. And even talking about hierarchies within companies, uh, people resent that. So I was never into that. I never had an HR department. I never had an org chart. I just didn't believe in any of that stuff. If the janitor came up with a great idea, I'd put it on the front page. Like, I don't care. I don't care where the ideas come from. I just want merit to rise to the top. Sure. So where that came from, uh, there's a bit of a longer story to that. So I got into The Onion. It was my second major comedy entrepreneur effort. And the first was my comic strip, which you mentioned, Jim's Journal. Mm -hmm. Daily comic strip that I did for 10 years. And I made a living doing that before I got into The Onion. And I did that on my own, comic strip. Artists work in absolute solitude, typically. They just draw their comics in their little cave, and they send them out, and the world sees them, and they get letters, and (laughs) they have no other human contact. (laughs) But when I got to The Onion, suddenly I was in an office with a team, and I had a writer's room, and I had business people and ad sales people that I would interact with. And I was the head of creative. I wasn't the head of business or advertising. But it was small enough that you would interact with all those people. And I realized that in that environment, I uh, was 
employing a lot of what I learned being an entrepreneur, and that is that you need to be a self-starter and that you need to discover how to do things on your own, that that feels really empowering. And I wanted to give that to people as much as possible. And I think management and leadership is one of those things that's very counterintuitive. I think a lot of people think they're good at it or they think they can do it. And in companies, a lot of times the best performers will be promoted to management without any thought to, oh, can they manage? Can they lead people? Sure. They're just the best performer. Let's see how they do. Uh, but I had a, a little leg up. So I had uh, a side job. When I first started my comic strip, I had uh, a second income. I worked at a radio station and I had the the absolute privilege of editing the series of interviews or speeches, I guess, at this total quality management seminar. So this is W. <laughs> Edwards Deming, the guy who went to Japan after World War II and taught them how to um, rebuild their economy. Wow. And as we all know, in the space of just a couple, three decades, they were like, they went from being an absolutely decimated country to being the number one economy in the world yep. in the 1980s. And a lot of people credit this guy, W. Edwards Deming, he's a management genius. And not only did I listen to his lectures, I literally edited them and prepared them for broadcast so i listened to them over and over and mm. over again and they really seeped in and he had ideas like continual improvement um uh, get, uh empowering people um this idea of always being of service whether you're of service to your customers or of service to your boss like you should go uh you should lend a hand up and lend a hand hand down um, and this idea of continual improvement led me to the idea of, well, I'm not the only one with ideas for how to improve things. I need to listen to the people on my team if they have any ideas about how to improve things and having no ego about it. I think that's a big, um, th that's a big part of the philosophy of W. Edward Stein. Peter Drucker was like his main, uh, disciple. Yeah. yeah. I think a lot of people know Peter Drucker. Of course. Sure. And um, I have not received it, the Drucker Award yet. <laughs> no. So. <laughs> um, yes. So being open to ideas from uh, people on my team and not having an ego about it. So if somebody has a better idea, immediately replacing mine and, and making sure that the company is improving that way. So if your mind is constantly on improving, it's less on ego. And I think most leaders are just too consumed by ego and they want themselves to look good and they they uh they want to make sure that they are seen as like the important person yeah there you know what i mean like there's just there's a lot of that in other companies as i've experienced it yeah. and i try to be as much as possible an egoless uh, leader so that the best ideas can rise to the top regardless of who they come from so uh, you make a great point, and I was just thinking, Scott, when you use the words radical freedom, I think my first thought was, you know, let people do and be however they want to. And I think, to your point, entrepreneurs like to put structure in place, and I still think it has to deal with a lot more than that, right? It's uh, them being able to have a voice, like you said, or being able to challenge the status quo and not worry about what's going to happen to them or have some sort of fear of retaliation. They can think outside the box. They can be on a first name basis with the boss. You know, they, they can love who they want to love. They can wear in some cases tattoos perhaps or piercings or colored hair or whatever. So I think, 
you know, it's broader than I think what most people probably think it is. And I've heard sort of your thought in some other publications. And certainly I have a chapter completely dedicated to misfits. You know, I call it the Island of Misfit Toys, which comes from, you know, the cartoon of uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, that when you allow people to be and act and say and do whatever they want to, within reason, within the, the company values, what you get with them is loyalty. They will stay with you longer. They, I think you were making this point earlier, they're attracted to each other. So if you have a, a bunch of bad employees, guess what they're going to attract? A bunch of ne'er-do-wells, a bunch of people that are just slackers, right? Versus if you get the the great rock stars, we like to say, you're probably attracting a lot of really good talent. So I don't want to put words in your mouth, but that's that's sort of how my mind went when you said just empowering your people with radical freedom. Is it that mindset that you were talking about? Absolutely. So at The Onion, you know, it was a humor publication and it was a bunch of uh, college kids, essentially. And so you can imagine there there weren't a lot of rules and there's a lot of inappropriate behavior going on. And it was so like uh, the opposite of like a corporate environment. And I know like when corporations think about radical freedom, they might think about things like, well, you know, um, you can, you know, you can dye your hair a little bit blue or, you know, yeah. ooh, you're wearing uh, radical um, jeans <laughs> on a Wednesday. It's not even <laughs> ooh. And uh, that, that's the just the tip of the iceberg like I, it's so funny like when it comes to entrepreneurial advice i find in almost every case you can 10x the advice and it'll work better yeah so if the advice is give your people freedom your thought might be okay well maybe i'll let them uh, wear some wear some jeans on thursday um no 10x that yeah. um let them come to the office naked you know yeah and Obviously, there are certain things you have to do to be appropriate, but I'm telling you, at The Onion, people came to the office naked. Wow. And naked Fridays. I didn't care. I naked like Fridays. It. You know, I would never fire anyone for that. The only thing I would ever fire anyone for is if they did something illegal or like if somebody came to me and, you know, or I could clearly tell that they were disturbing someone, but they're like wacky pranksters and, and college um, comedians. So, you know it's going to be like off the hook behavior. Yeah. And all the other writers and everybody else celebrated that because it was fun. It was so great to be in an environment where you never knew what was going to happen and you never knew what was uh, a hoax or what was part of the the newspaper. Uh, so it was it was totally off the hook and there was no downside to that. There there was no um, you know every company listening to this who's who's saying okay I've given up on this guy nobody's coming to my office naked. I understand that you don't have to, but just know that there's no downside. Like there's, if there's no, by, by 10 Xing, uh, you only, you only get 10 X the benefits. Like it starts to obliterate the downside when you start to really be, uh, when you really start to think in terms of free, because the more free people are, the more free their ideas are going to be. And the the better the pool of ideas you're going to have to choose from, and it's, you know, we all know it's the outside the box thinking that's going to be the, the next big thing. Yeah. It's yeah. never going to be the committee driven, appropriate thought that's going to be uh, the, the next big thing in business or marketing or anything else. So, I, I mean, I hear you. The, the control freak in me is twitching a little bit to, to give that much freedom to anybody. He clearly has never worked uh, for an uh, HR department. Yeah, no, that's the truth. <laughs> love it. But love it. so, so like... 
I guess my question is, so, uh, you know, before, before music for me, I came, uh, I came from the corporate collections world and, Oofa. and so we did, you know, business to business collections. That's what we did. And I was, uh, I, I started that career in Boone, North Carolina, and this is back before Boone had, had more than just Appalachian state. Right. So there was, there was two hours to Sears. It gives you the idea of <laughs> what Boone was uh, in the early two thousands. And, um, you know, uh, we were working in, in, in this building upstairs were, uh, the salespeople and account executives and downstairs were the collectors. And if you can think of any sort of movie you've ever seen with a collections department, it, it was the quintessential. You walk downstairs and they had all the lights. All, all of the lights were unplugged and they just lived by lamp light, you know. And uh, That's awesome. It was, it was crazy, <laughs> right? But we had a situation happen where one of the account executives said, listen, um, under no circumstance are collectors to talk to my client. If you want to talk to the client, you need to go through me. So one day there was a new collector who did not get that message right away. And so he reached out and spoke to one of these account executives client and she lost her mind. And the next day, this is a true story. The next day she came into the office with a chainsaw and cut his desk in half. Wow. Wow. <laughs> so my question is when you give <laughs> radical free, and here's the thing. She was the top producer in the office. Mm. So you know what she got for, for a little slap on the hand. She got three days at home with pay yeah, uh, because, you know, she's the top producer. So, and I think, you know, it's not obviously that often that someone walks in and cuts a desk in half, but, but my point of the matter is if you're a top producer, sometimes the leniency leans your direction. You can do things that might be a little outside of, of the curriculum of what's normal uh, and get away with it because without you, they wouldn't have your production. But what I like about what you're saying, Scott, is that you sort of gave that radical freedom across the board. So it didn't, it wasn't production based. It wasn't what they were bringing to the table. It was anybody that walked through the door, which is fantastic until you have 20 people cutting desks in half. So what, what sort of accountability factor did you have for people who didn't know what to do with that freedom that you gave them? Well, it's a great question. I think... First of all, it, a lot of it has to do with the type of company and the type of culture that you have. And I don't think you can manufacture that. So like I said, we were a wacky college humor publication. So it, there's an expectation that the culture is just going to be off the hook. Sure. And you wouldn't expect that kind of behavior in a different company. So, uh, you know, I had an animation company for a while. Totally different. Yeah. Nobody's nobody's sawing desks in half or right. coming to work <laughs> naked. It's just not happening. Right. So – but within the parameters of the culture that you create, my feeling is it's there's kind of a bell curve. Like there's going to be people who are going to have the chutzpah to be wild, and there's going to be people who aren't. It's never going to be a situation where, oh, now everybody's going to chainsaw desks. Right. There's right. always going to be the one or two people who are that type. And what what I love about that is that like there was no downside to that. Okay, maybe you'll, a couple hundred bucks for a desk, but it's a great story. Right. Nobody will ever forget it. Right. And it just creates so much color uh, for the workplace and fun. And then, you know, you get into so much, like I was when you were saying so much liability, like shards from the desk, you know, hit somebody in the uh, eye. But, you know, we're, we're essentially talking in, um, uh, in symbolism here. The, the idea of 
making sure that people know. And at the onion, the situation was people knew they weren't going to be fired. They felt like part of a family. Yep. And so no matter how much they produced or didn't produce, they could be crazy, they could be wild, and they knew what they were doing was they were contributing to the culture of the organization, and that benefited everyone. Yeah, yeah. When you have a, the culture that you want that feeds and dovetails perfectly into your company mission, everybody benefits. So they're doing a they're doing a good service by being wild and crazy. Yeah. It's it's helping the overall vibe and it's making everyone let's say a writer who's trying to write jokes that week. They start to think, "Oh, I can make a joke about anything." Yeah. You know, it just frees them. It just inspires everyone else around you. Yeah. It sounds like the the culture that you're that you've built and that you're talking about. Uh, it reminds me of Zappos, you know, with Tony Shea. Yeah. If you ever get a chance to go out there to Vegas and do that tour, and you know, it's hilarious. They took over a couple of years ago uh, the the old downtown Las Vegas, the city hall, and the jail. So all of these people who would have been in cubicles are all in like individual jail cells and it's a party and you can do a free tour. I mean, it's a human resource nightmare, but it does That's give great. you. No, I, I, yeah, I love the idea. Oh, it's so, I mean, honestly, when you're talking, I'm thinking this is what it's like when I go to Zappos and it's just, yeah. it, it's that type of culture and somebody had to decide and certainly some leadership that's involved in it. But, you know, you were, you were speaking my language um, when you were talking about flex schedule and, and allowing people to work. I did that. When I was over at Hard Rock, I ran training and development for them probably for about 16 of my 21 years there. And I can tell you that there weren't a lot of other department structures or heads that were doing that. It was a little bit frowned upon. And for me, I said, I don't care what time you come and go. You can take off whenever you need. Um, you know, it, it wasn't accepted, including I reported up through HR. So, you know, I was it was a little bit frowned upon, but honestly got more performance, more results, more loyalty, sometimes we had to work on the weekends or, or all of a sudden it was crunch time and we had to put in 14, 16 hour days and people were more likely to do that. So I hear the stuff that you're talking about. And again, I think when I first hear it, it isn't just about the aesthetic, about the physical. Um, I, a great friend of ours, a former executive at Hard Rock, Mike Nightinger, used to say, we don't care what you look like. We care what you contribute. And I think when you're talking about what you said at the very top of the show, we just care about the results. We just care that you get there. Mm -hmm. What do I care? You know, ultimately how you do it or how you look or how you think or act. And by the way, you're going to spend the majority of your time at a job. Why not have fun? So just kudos to you. It's a great, great thought. Thank you. Yeah. And you know, it can see, seem, I'm sure that it's just a, an excuse to be crazy and have fun. But like you said, there's a, the real, um, actual business minded, uh, outcome of this that, I think it was in Good to Great they described how 3M started doing this because more companies are doing flex time now. They are. 3M had like every Friday you could work on whatever you wanted. And it was like, no, okay, no more shackles, do whatever. And after a little while of doing that, they looked back and they realized, and they looked at the numbers, so many of their new products, including Post-it notes, were developed on a Friday. And so they were like, okay, let's do Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. That's <laughs> flex yeah. days. Uh, and I just figure like why the half measure just flex time all the time. Right. Right. Every day is naked day is That's what you're right. saying. Right. Basically. <laughs> right. We get it. 
Well, as we sort of look at the, uh, as we sort of wrap up here, I know success is not final for you either. You've you've started these three, four awesome brands. There's got to be something on the horizon that you're about to unload on everybody. You know, we need we need some Scott Dickers in our in our life. What's um? What's <laughs> your next project? Fact, there is. I can't be stopped, you guys. I just, I <laughs> no, we try and contain <laughs> like, you, but it's not possible. So, right. Like Kanye. <laughs> yes. So I started this new company, How to Write Funny. Uh, a few years ago, because I wrote this book, How to Write Funny. It was really just my first nonfiction book about how to actually write comedy, what's the process. Yeah. And uh, I didn't expect it to really take off. I self-published it on Amazon and just kind of dropped it, didn't tell anybody. And it just picked up steam. And now it's like a, a, a perennial seller. And I developed this whole curriculum on it and started teaching that at the Second City in wow. Chicago. That's in cool. partnership with The Onion. Yeah, so trained a lot of people how to write comedy. A lot of those people have gone on to get professional comedy work. And so I've got this website, How to Write Funny, where I'm going to be teaching courses. And I wrote a sequel, How to Write Funnier. And I've got another couple books in that series planned. So that's a whole thing. Teaching people how to write comedy is another enterprise that I've got going right now. And and then I started getting invited to speak at like marketing and entrepreneurship sort of gatherings because of the fact that I started up the onion and these other companies. And so I wrote this book that you mentioned, uh, outrageous marketing about, uh, the onion and how to build a brand with no marketing budget. That's mm-hmm. the subtitle. Yeah. And people seem really interested in that, that side of me. Like that was kind of the book. It was a story really of the onion and some of the wacky antics in it starting up, but also like principles, behind what makes a great company and how to how to build a great company with without spending any money on marketing but it was the same thing as my how to write funny book just a brain dump on how you do it yeah uh, essentially and so i have this friend uh, and we would meet every once in a while here where i live in chicago and we just talk she's a business owner and we talk about running businesses and stuff and i realized wait a minute why isn't this a podcast so uh I have a podcast, How to Write Funny, where I talk to comedians, but nice. I'm launching a new podcast called Outrageous Entrepreneurship, where we're just talking about how to start a company, how to do it right, how to run a business for people who you know dream of starting a business or maybe are just starting a business, just to give them a couple of peers who have been through it a few times, um, who they can uh, talk, listen to and um, sort of feel like they're in that peer group, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. And and real quick, both of those books, How to Write Funny and Outrageous Marking, both of those are available on Amazon, or do you want to drive them to your website? What's the best if they want to grab one of Amazon, those? Amazon's the best. Yeah. Uh, I hate that they're a monopoly, but <laughs> yeah. I can't, as as a, an author, I would be a fool to have it available anywhere else. That's We're how all there. smart they are, and that's why they're a monopoly. <laughs> yeah. So Great. And yeah. uh, and if they if somebody wants to get a hold of you, where 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 could they do that? I'm on Twitter at at Scott Tickers and on Instagram and Facebook I'm it's Scott Tickers and that's Tickers is two K's no C. Yeah. And uh, that's you know if you go to How to Write Funny you get on my email list I, I respond to most of the emails I get because um, nice. it's it's small it's very engaged and I mentor a lot of people in comedy I love doing it like this is one of those things that you know how it is when you love something, it's not work. So I'm just like, I enjoy talking to people about developing their, their comedy voice and their comedy career. So if you email me uh, through my email list on how to write funny, I'm, 
I'm probably going to get back to you. Well, you're representing exactly what your thought was. You're empowering people to have some radical freedom. And, and listen, we can't thank you enough. This was this was fantastic. I know that, um, you know, just being a fan of The Onion and now being exposed to the AV Club, I'm, I'm going to be checking out some more of those videos. But we love, love, love what you've done. And uh, we're going to be looking at your journey going forward. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm very excited to talk to you guys. Great podcast. Uh, you guys are awesome. And uh, I'll be looking forward to seeing what you guys are up to as well. That's Thanks, great. Scott. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. We appreciate it. Rock on. All right. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock, rock on. on. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.